All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for our new series. We are starting this series entitled Discipling Through Philippians. Discipling Through Philippians. So now I'm I'm gonna be a little more teacherish, all right, in, in this session. I'm gonna do a lot do a little reading so we can get some background, okay? And then we're going to get into our our scripture reading and, and questions. All right, so we can dig into the text. All right, so just to get started, the letter to the Philippians is one of four written by Paul while he was in prison. All right, so the other three, other three were Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. Now, Philippians was written to the first church established by Paul in Europe in what was known as the providence of Macedonia. Okay, Paul visited Philippi on his second missionary journey after receiving night vision where he saw a man from Macedonia standing before him, earnestly asking him to come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, this is from Acts 16 and 9. Mm -hmm. Now, after receiving this vision, Paul and his companion Silas immediately endeavored to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called them to preach the gospel to the people there. Now, Paul crossed over into Europe. He's stopping into first at Philippi. The scripture records the meeting and conversion of several people at Philippi. Now, among them was Lydia, a woman of the city of Thyatira, now whose heart was open to the Lord. Now, she was baptized along with her whole household and was faithful to the Lord. Now, this, this can be found in, in Acts 16, verses 12 through 15. So Paul, he cast out a demon out of a girl who had who was possessed with a spirit of divination. Some of y'all may be familiar with that story. Right? And, and this led to both him and Silas being cast into prison. Now, this is Acts 16, 16 to 23. All right, so this incident where Paul and Silas praised God at midnight while, they were, while their feet were fastened in stocks, the Lord sent an earthquake, opened all the prison cells, and loosed all the prisoners' bonds. But not a single prisoner tried to escape. So this led to the conversion of the jailer along with his whole family. All right. So this is Acts 16, 30 through 30, 34. All right. So there were many other members of the Philippian church who knew Paul, but whose stories of conversions we do not know. Now, Paul's primary reason for writing this letter was to thank the Philippian church for the gift they had sent him in his time of need. All right, this can be found in, in the fourth chapter, verses 10 through 19. All right, he also used this opportunity to encourage them to look confidently to Christ for their joy and unity and to continue to persevere in their Christian life and faith. Now, even though Paul wrote this letter from prison, it contains a, a constant theme of rejoicing. The words joy and rejoice were used 16 times in this short epistle. I mean, it's short. You're just talking about four chapters, right? And Paul made it very clear in Philippians 3 that his personal relationship with the Lord was the key factor to his joy. Paul had a, a special affection for the Philippians. They were not only the first fruits of his ministry in Europe, but also the only church that contributed to his ministry after he had departed from their city. Now, it, it is supposed that Paul wrote what he what we call the second letter to the Corinthians while he was in Philippi. Okay. All right. So a couple more tidbits here. 
All right. So the recipients of Paul's epistle, the Philippians. All right. So the the, the Roman colony of Philippi was located in northern Greece. So it was called Macedonia in Paul's day. All right. It was a thriving commercial center at the crossroads between Europe and Asia. The Philippian church dis displayed a strong missionary zeal. It consisted mostly of Gentile believers, therefore. Paul did not specifically quote any Old Testament passages in this letter. All right. So in reference to the date and place of the writing, Philippians was probably written to the church at Philippi from Rome sometime early A.D. 63. And this can be deduced from the fact that Paul was imprisoned in Rome during A.D. 62 and 63. And this can be see in this letter to Philippians, Paul mentioned that they had sent offerings to him by Epaphroditus. Ep All right, this is Philippians 4:18. While in Rome, Aphroditus fell sick and enough time elapsed for a word of that to filter back to Philippi. Now, more time had elapsed as Paul learned of their concern for Aphroditus' health. Therefore, it's reasonable to assume that this letter to the Philippians, which Paul sent by the hand of Aphroditus, happened at least one year after Paul arrived at Rome. All right. So. Obviously, Paul is the writer of Philippians. So now, after giving a little background, so let's begin in chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. All right, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. All right, and since Kevin mentioned the Darby translation, I'm going to read that first. All right. In the Darby translation, verses 1 and 2, it says, Paul and, Tim and Thimonius bondmen of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and ministers, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, now I'm going to read that in the Amplified. It says, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus the Messiah, to all the saints, God's consecrated people, in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the bishops, overseers, deacons, assistants, grace, favor, and blessing to you, and heart peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, I want us to pay attention to look at how Paul refers to the people. He uses the word saint. Saint. And what is that? What is a saint? Born-again believer. Yeah. I believe it. Okay. All right. Y'all sure? No, but we, we went with it. Oh, okay. No, because I'm saying, because, you know, I, I thought, because sometimes, you know, it, it depending on your context, mm -hmm. right? We, we think of the word saint and we think of, okay, this is like a super Christian. A higher standard, yeah. Right? This is the person that, okay, this person, you think of Mother Teresa, people like this, right? Usually culturally, we refer to like Saint, you know, Patrick or, um, you know, Saint Francis of Assisi, all, you know, those different ones, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? so, so it's like the, you know... The elite, the, the the Christian elite. Yeah. Right. 
or Catholic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. But now we see here, though, in the Amplified Classics, says God's consecrated people. So anybody who is a part of the body can is is a saint, right? And if this is the context, if this is what a saint is, somebody who's consecrated, it is everybody in the body. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Now I want us to look at something else in verse one. Now in the King James and the Amplified and in no, in the Darby it uses the word bondman. He Paul and, and Timothy referred to themselves as bondmen. In the Darby translation, now in the King James it says servants. And the New Living Translation, it says slaves of Christ Jesus. In Amplified Classic, it says bond servants. So when you hear that word bond servant or slave, what comes to mind? That they're owned. But isn't there a difference? I thought a bond servant was someone who willingly became bonded to a master and served versus a slave has no option. That wasn't the question. The question that will come to your mind is somebody owns them, right? Yeah, there's one. a difference. Yeah. One is a willing participant, the others <laughs> has no say. They said the good masters considered their servants to be part of the family. Part of like the family, yeah. They may still like serve as slaves. I'm going to beat you, you know? Yeah, especially the faithful ones, you know, they're considered family. Mm. You know, in servitude. Servitude, whatever we call it. Okay. I think that's why the Amplified Classic uses the phrase bond servant, mm -hmm. right? Because Paul and Timothy, they are individuals, men of God, who are who have pledged their lives mm -hmm. to the call of God, right? So we're talking about a you know a, a level of servitude, and but is is it voluntary or involuntary? Voluntary. Voluntary. Because for it to be involuntary, they'll violate the whole character of God. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now, when you look when you look at this language here, can you identify with the term servant or slave, bond servant for yourself? You know, to some degree, but in those days, people had a greater understanding. I mean, maybe if I had lived 200 years ago, I would have a greater understanding of slavery. But in those days, with the Romans having slaves and that being, and, and people being servants, that was a common, those people would understand that term probably better than we do. Yeah, yeah in our culture, might be somebody who's wealthy, who has servants and some are treated very nice and like family and some are not so in our it's kind of like yeah we've claimed the rest for, of us say no we've claimed for people and we paid for obviously it's not you know for slaves but we've gotten paid i mean we've, we've claimed for folks before where you could tell it was you know you missed a spot it was like oh, we didn't go back you know but then there's we have clients now they consider us family we've been with them for so long and we mm -hmm. love being there you know for them they treat us well. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna submit with this word servant. In the beginning, um, it had a had a had a legalistic connotation to it. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, you know, they say you're serving God, and then it's like, okay, you when you're serving God, they give you a a list of things you're supposed to be doing. This, 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 this. And it's like, you know, this is the thing that you had to do. Your task was. Right, you know, so, right. So this is what servant does, and you need to be doing this. And um, by doing those things, you were rewarded, of course. If you didn't do those things, you were considered a bad servant, and therefore there was consequences for that, so... So, but it had like a negative connotation to it. Okay. Good. Right. So, when we look at that phrase, servant, slave, bondman, um, do you think that in our contemporary church culture, looking at it individually and like from um, from a broader perspective in, in our interactions with other believers? Do you think that we've lost that understanding of what mm-hmm. servanthood really is? Mm-hmm. No doubt. Okay. People need to be served instead of served. It's hard in, yeah, the, in, it's, in, a, in the American it, culture, it's too. There's just something about that. Yeah. When they, they try, really, they're not perfect. perfect that, but they some do. But not, it's not, it's rare. Yeah. To have a humble heart. I think it's hard too. There's an American culture. Just I mean, because we're like a, a democratic republic, we we're not a, like in monarchies and things. They kind of understood some of those concepts better. You know, like the king was the king, his word was his word. The mm-hmm. good king, he was going to do what was best for everybody. Anyway, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, like we don't understand in either, you know, in our modern day culture. I mean, even in Europe, they have what they call you know constitutional monarchies, which still the king or queen does not have absolute authority. You know, versus here we have a you know, president, and yes, they have authority, but not like, you know, and we don't understand, you know, like honor, the honor system anymore, you know. Okay. But when I look at that, that word serving now, um, I get a picture of a, a waiter waiting on you. Yeah. Who, who loves their job, and they're like, you need anything? Can I help you? What do you need? Yeah. They're always there, you know, and they're very cheerful. Just waiting on you hand foot. And you can tell by that attitude they enjoy what they're doing because it is they are constantly making sure that you're taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so I say that's to me, that's the picture of the way we should be in the body of Christ serving. You know, it's just something we love to do. You know, because I love for Donna, this is what I do. And you know, the attitude is correct and it's just yeah. Plus, I think the emphasis in America <laughs> with the salvation message has been very individualistic. Okay. And it's, oh, yeah, my personal savior. And that word's not ever used that I know of, that phrase. And we're, instead of preaching the kingdom, that we're coming into the kingdom and it's a family. And it's much more, we get preached, I think it started, I want to say, Finney kind of started that concept. Your individual salvation and God has a plan for your life. We focus it down so much on the individual 
and my, my calling and what God wants me to do instead of the whole picture of the ecclesia. I think we're kind of lacking there, the way the gospel's presented in this country. The modern, the modern Christian's different. Back then, when the light was shone on these guys, they wanted it to reflect on Jesus. Today, when the lights shine on, on, on us or on somebody in the body, they, they want to take that light. And they, they, want, to, they want to be admired by other people. Uh, you, you see that all over the place. I was thinking about this today. It's weird. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about this, but mom and I have had the experience. And I know a lot of us here probably have in our past um, being at churches where you could tell, like the pastor, or whatever, has a humble. They they love God, but it it almost becomes more about the vision the pastor has than the gospel. It's like they'll get a vision like, and this is I this week. I I and they'll like preset that. And you're like, and then when you get away from that for a while, you're like. Let's just love everybody. Let's just show the gospel to everybody. I mean, let's stop, you know, just the vision, the vision. It's like, oh gosh. Just kind of thinking that, you know, but it's like individuals that are like, you know, like I said, like doing what we're supposed to do, you know. Okay. Now, just like anything else, right? Uh, a person can have a man of God or a group of men and women of God can have a revelation of a thing. But when a thing is exalted above the the rest sure, of yeah. the mm -hmm. yeah. revelation of scripture, mm -hmm. then it can it can get out of balance, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now you know what Terry was saying about Finney and the whole concept of having a personal savior and having your a, a call. God has a call for your life. Now are these things wrong? No, no. no. Because the reality is he does have an individual call for you. He does. Mm -hmm. right? of the body. And that and that relationship that he has with you is with you, but you are not independent of the rest of the body, right? Yeah. Because we are a member of a body. Mm -hmm. It's not like, okay. The eye has a vision to be the biggest, greatest eye that, that, it, that it can be. I'm going to be the best eye that I can be. And it's just that it's just an eyeball all to itself. But how how much can it shine and function apart from the body? Yeah. I don't care how pretty that eyeball is. It needs the eye. It starts rotting outside the body. <laughs> it needs to be attached to the to the yeah, to the socket, right? And and to the brain in order for it to 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 fully flourish and function the way it's supposed to. And it needs to know it's an eye. Because if it's not, you know, he might wake up and the only thing he's gonna see is the inside of a sock. He might be a toe. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, of course it sounds funny, right? But the, 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 you, but you get the point. Yeah. Right? You know, an eyeball trying to be a toe or a foot, you know, or a or, or finger. And that's why, if we don't know where we fit in the body of Christ, we'll try to emulate somebody else's part yeah. and not succeed and be out of joint. And then that, that hurts the whole body. Because if each person's not functioning where he or she is supposed to, then the whole body suffers. That's probably why we got problems too a lot in the church because mm -hmm. we talk about it here. It's like, you know, not everybody's called to be a pastor. Not that pastors are not wonderful to have around. Of course, we need those, but you know, you know what I mean? It's um, 
But, you know, like God could call you to be an actor. We could call you to politics or something. And we said it so many times in the past. It would be, oh, you love God? Well, you should be in ministry. Well, ministry is not always, you know. Right. And then we have these, like, more than one way to ministry. We have, like, a, a body with four hands, you know, like, on the feet. You know, stuff is, you know, it's not working right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's real. Yeah. That's <laughs> real. Like a monkey or something. That's real. Freak. Yeah. <laughs> and nowadays you have a body with 30 heads. And everybody There's wants to be the head. There's only one head. Mr. Gene went there. Everybody wants there. to be the head. Yes, yes. Too many chiefs. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, a body needs shoulder blades, biceps, yeah. Yeah. triceps, yeah. Yeah. a chest, yeah. needs legs, yes. needs Everything. ears, all of it yes. for the function at its fullest potential. Yeah. Right, and and no no one part is greater than the other. Just have different different functions. functions. Right. Okay. All right. So, looking at verse two. Notice the greeting. Paul and Timothy says, "Grace be unto you." Peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do you think that? Because this is something Paul does, uh, Peter does it, oh, everybody uses this in their greeting. And grace, peace. Why is this important? We all need grace <laughs> and the peace that comes with it. We don't do anything without the grace. And these people were being persecuted, so the so peace was a big deal. Yeah. And I think, in the middle of persecution. I think even in the timing this stuff was done, you know, I think about where a lot of us have came out of like religious thinking and stuff. Even if some of these were second, third generation, it might have still been some of the religiosity from the Pharisees and stuff. And it's like, listen, you know, everything I'm going to say to you, if I correct you, there's peace involved. There's grace. You don't have to strive. You don't have to, you know, work for something. Jesus already took care of it all. Just if he had to correct somebody or whatever, or reprove him, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I'm not saying this in hate. I mm -hmm. love, you know, this is God's love, you know. That's kind of From our Lord Jesus Christ, yes. Okay. Uh -huh. I couldn't quite hear everybody, but so I might be repeating some of it, but it, I, um, it brings to mind, um, um, I think it's the beginning of the chapter, John, maybe, say the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, when angels were, you know, at the birth of Jesus and they were um, praising and saying uh, peace, you know, toward men. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, it seems like it's, Paul reiterating that, reminding everybody that it's, it's all about grace now, and now we have peace with God. So to kind of reiterate that God shifted his attitude towards from the old covenant to the new. That's good, John. One, yeah, good point. Yeah, but I mean, grace did two things to it. You know, when you talk about peace, it gave us peace with God and they give us peace from God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, meaning that hey, he he mm -hmm. took care of this and then we get peace from him mm -hmm. through so that we through, can do <laughs> yeah, the fruit that comes from mm -hmm. spirit. 
And that proclamation uh, at the end when Jesus was born, that helped kill that law where he said goodwill towards men. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't have a goodwill if you're living under that law. Right, that's true. That's good. Scripture that came to mind, um, Psalm 85 and 10. Psalm 85 and 10. And I'm going to read that in King James. It says, mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Now, don't you see Jesus in that picture? That is a very beautiful scripture. Because right. just like Kevin, you know, referred to John, grace and truth came mm -hmm. by Jesus Christ. It's the marriage of the the whole of the law and the prophets, everything that was spoken. It's Jesus is the complete image of our Lord, of, of, of God, the Father of God, who who God is. So this is why I see that, you know, when you hear grace and peace always kind of together when the, the, the saints are greeted is because, you know, Jesus embodies all of that. He represents our peace with God and he has given us the Holy Spirit by which we can partake of the fruit of his peace, right? And the only reason we are able to commune with, with him, with God in the first place is because the grace that was given to us, because we don't deserve it, but God freely gave. Mm Let me go. Let's go to um, let's go back to Second Peter one. I know we talked about this last time, but not. I don't want to leave this whole idea, the concept of grace and peace, just yet. Now looking at verses one and two in First Second Peter one. All right, I'm, I'm gonna read this in the King James as well. It says, Simon Peter, a servant, see, he refers himself as servant again, just like Paul did, and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So again, we see 
grace and peace together. And, and here Peter said it is multiplied unto us through the knowledge. Now, is that merely head knowledge? Just mental assent? No, it's not just being aware of a fact, but to, to have a knowing. And Thayer's definition is to have that precise and correct knowledge. And then if you go deeper, you, you know, when, when that word know or knowledge is used, it's, it's experiential. It's not just, you know, a, a fact that you read on a page. It's something that you, are, you have experienced, you, you accept as a core belief for you. And as you have this and abide in this experiential knowledge, then what's the end result? Grace and peace being multiplied. And we, okay, we talk about peace. All right, let me just step back. Um, what, what do you think, just off the top of your head? Say an uh, unbeliever comes up to you and says, okay, you know what? what? I just had a question. Like, when you hear that word peace, what does that mean to you? What, is it, what do you think that means? How would you respond to it? Rest, no worries. Your lack of anxiety. Trust. Yeah. Rest. Lack of anxiety. Trust. You could probably fall for sheet with what it means. Yeah, emotionally calm. And you're not concerned about the future or you're not concerned about anything that's coming your way. Right. I'm knowing again. I'm knowing everything's okay, mm -hmm. no matter what. All right. So the person says, "I, I." So is rest. So do I need to go to um the sleep number place and get me a sleep <laughs> number bed so I can make sure I got have a peaceful night's sleep? No, I'm not a sleep number bed. No, I got no. <laughs> what is your number? <laughs> right. So, but is that the key to peace? But what is that? Knowing yeah. Jesus Christ. Trusting Him completely with everything. Because it's that peace that passes all understanding. It makes no sense. Yeah. It can, you can have peace in the midst of chaos. Horrible things going on because it's not based on outside circumstances. And he's in us by his spirit. So if you can rely on the spirit and, and rest in the spirit, you're going to have that peace no matter what. And that culture says it's normal to worry, mm -hmm. anxiety, be stressed out. You know, that's you know, normal, normal based on. Yeah, peace, you must be on something. Yeah, he knows yeah. so, anyway. <laughs> you know, because based on all the stuff that's going around you, this yeah. and that, it's normal to be 
anxious and feel Xanax. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, because they think, I mean, if, you, if you're if you not that way, then as she said, they think something's wrong with you. When I go to rehab, they have to ask me questions. And one of the questions is, how much stress are you under today? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't ask me anymore. They just put zero. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I learned how to cast my cares, you know. I don't have any. That's good. That's good. I have so many folks, very nice, well-meaning folks, come through my line at my place of employment, um, where I, you know, cashier and I, um, they come through, and I mean, it'll be like over a month ago, it'll be like you know, worrying about you know the gas prices. I'm like, how are you doing today? And whatever, bring up their things, and it's just like, oh, um. I'm, I'm making the honey out, you know, maybe some older person or something, you know, like, I get a lot of, like, retirement age type of folks. They're very sweet. Anyway, they're like, you know, these gas prices, I guess, I don't know what to do with these prices of these groceries and this and that. I'm like, well, you know, we're going to be good. Y'all do, like, a positive. Mm-hmm. We're not being sarcastic. Well, I'm glad, sweetie, you feel that way. And then, like, you know, recently gas prices are dropping, so I'm like, just, you know, we're, you know, casting your word. Once in a while, I'll get somebody and they'll be like, yeah, you know, our Heavenly Father, let's say the Lord's got us taken. I'm like, yeah, and I know some brothers just like our dad got it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and then we have like this praise meeting, you know, like, mm-hmm. grocery bring up, you know. Yeah, that's good. I got a cool word. Y'all got to pray for me. She just, Here. she stressed out and she makes sure she stressed you out because oh. she's constantly talking yeah. about And then she's, yeah. you know, people. Okay, if you got problems, they're loud. They make sure they hear you, you know, express what they're going through and how they're going through. And, and they're not there. I was like, can you just give me two minutes of quiet time, please? Because, I mean, this is just constant. You have to worry, yes. And she's like, you know, stuff going to work. And she comes in the break room and she's complaining. I'm like, okay, can you not do that right now? Can I? Get, I, said, I told some. I told one. Can you be quiet for two minutes? <laughs> I need two minutes on my break to not hear that. But it's just mm-hmm. constant. I'm like, everybody's going to say anything you want to do, but you feel the need to vocalize it and very loud. But with that personality, even if everything was perfect in the world, she'd still be the same way. She'd find yeah. something to complain about. Really? I, I used to know a person, uh, and I used to say that her, her. Joy is to find something to not be happy about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's complain about, about it. Right. That, that's what made her go. That's what, you know. So she did this. So these individuals definitely need to partake of this Jesus mm-hmm. peace. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. As he said, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, and that, that stuff, if, if you really, if we really get to a place where we sit and rest in that and just and and stay there then you can do like Gene was talking about casting your care and then you know you go to the doctor you tell you go around people and they're asking you questions and like they just they don't even ask anymore how you doing like yeah i know you're doing all right i ain't even gonna ask i had two people tell me i'm gonna die if i go this way or that way and i'm thinking i knew i was gonna die when i was 12. <laughs> everybody dies <laughs> That's what Daniel Amsett was saying. Some time they had the healing conference is on you know, out there, and it was somebody that I hate to tell you, I guess, but we're all getting older. 
He said, we're going to have to die with anything. Nobody's going to get out of here. Yeah, he's I'm not declaring you, you have to die of sickness or anything. He goes, but Jesus if you back. like it or not, we are aging. And one day, our bodies will die. But he didn't say that. They like, said it. They did it away. just said, it's just our bodies. You know, we'll eventually give out. And die. I, I, I heard a preacher say one time, I know exactly how much Harold Hughes left when he died. Do you want to know? And everybody leaned forward. It's in the church service. And he looked out and he said, all of it. <laughs> he didn't take anything with him. That's true. You have a brand new baby. Family's excited. Of course, it's a new life. It's like, and what? 85 to 100 years, maybe something? Depending upon what they believe for. They're going to they're gonna die too one day. We all age. And Andrew was saying, he goes, we're trying to get this stuff here, teaching people about the healing. He said, the knowledge here, not so much praying, praying. He goes, we'll do that too. He goes, but you know yourself. He goes, because I've got a, uh, like a time limit. He goes, I, I even I have one. <laughs> he was talking like, he goes, I'm not going to be around here forever. Right. <laughs> like my daughter asked me on Sunday, Oma, how did you get old? And I said, one day at a time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's what, hey, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Now, to face that without the assurance of a life after, that's a scary thing. It's a very scary thing. You know what's scary for her? I kind of had a peak of the life to come. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> she, she doesn't like that, I, that idea. Well, I want you to enjoy it someday. Someday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. nothing that you should right. dread. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Just hearing my mother tell what she saw. And she talked about the flowers that she walked on and the, the grass, and it would pop back up. Mm -hmm. And they, they sing, they, they hum. But she said she she just told what she you know she told him she said Jesus she was walking with him and he would not let her see his face because it was so bright. But she said that was a total piece. Yeah. And she's walking there was along no death. and she used to walk along at a notice. We're walking in grass and flowers and they're just popping back up. There's no death. I, I wasn't there with him, but I was there, and I was I was walking down this road, and the flowers that were there, I heard this noise. I couldn't figure out what it was, and when I got up close. The flowers were singing, but it was like a humming sound. But it was beautiful. And each flower had a different tone from a different color flower. And it was just gorgeous. And uh, she, she says, wow. When Jesus told her he could go back, and she's like, right. She goes, that was right. a total peace. I had never felt like that. She goes, mm. he's like, but you're going to have to go back for now. <laughs> she's not, I want to go back. Mm -hmm. She loved where she was at. Oh, well, I think I just either had a vision or a dream. But I was there. I mean, yeah. I was there. She had, she was laying. She had yeah. actually died. Yep, she died on a long. It was weird as my my heart surgery. And she, my brother, one of my brothers, with her. They had sent him out into the hallway. She, she was having a reaction to some kind of medicine they put in her to do something. They were looking at her hmm. her veins, and he sat out in the hallway. And she told him, "She goes, why were you crying out in the hallway?" He's going, "I shouldn't have." She says, I saw you. No, the angel literally took her above her body first and she could see everything happened to her. She was at peace. She goes, he was, he was forced out where he's like, I, she, he knows that somebody he was still, he was, I told her he was sending her back. She wasn't done on earth yet. 
<laughs> and she lived another whatever, mm-hmm. 15, 20 years. Yeah. See? Say the peace. Yeah. That passes. Mm-hmm. passes yeah, it passes natural <laughs> understanding. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that and that, that peace we only get through relationship with the Lord Jesus. That's it. Yeah. Let's look at verses three and four. Philippians three and four. All right. And I'll look at the I'll go back to the Darby translation. It says, I thank my God for my whole remembrance of you. Constantly in my every supplication, making the supplication for you all with joy. All right. In the King James, it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all making requests with joy. What verse are you on? Three and four. In Philippians. Philippians. Oh, I'm looking at first yeah, I'm Peter. Back, I'm Don't back mind Philippians. Me. I did that at first too. Then I had to flip back. I was like, oh wait, we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. In the New Living Translation, it says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. Now, again, Paul is talking about, you know, the, the church at the church at Philippi, right? And how now, how would you do describe this relationship the way he is he is speaking here in this letter well we find out later he's really got that sense of partnership mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he uses that word fellowship that's mutual relationship yeah he's yeah. very thankful for them yeah because when you look at that word fellowship in the Thayer's association community communion joint participation intercourse intimacy all these words mm-hmm. you know and so we're talking about this unity right so Paul and the and this group of believers they meant a lot to him. Mm-hmm. So it was like the intimacy you're saying, like we talk about the intimacy with God when you 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 fellowship with them a lot or all the time. It's like every time he thought about them. Mm-hmm. And he thought about them with joy too, which is, you know, sometimes you think about something you're like, oh. yeah, okay. give me more grace. I enjoy that thing, people. But he said he would joy, he thought about them. Mm-hmm. It's like they were constantly on his mind. Had to be because they remember him all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because think about it. You know, Paul is all that he's been through, the things that he had dealt with in his in his ministry. You know, you got people trying to stone him to death and oh, man. all this type of stuff. Shipwrecked. You know, he goes through the whole litany of things that he experienced in, in Corinthians. And, um, you know, in that letter, and I'm like, you think about the, all the opposition and yet you have this group of people here that are continue, that continue to sow into his ministry, to his life. How, how important would that be for you if you were in that situation? 
You can't even, you can't even think about what he went through. He, I mean, he was beat, beaten with thirty nine stripes three times, and usually the thirty nine stripes killed you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this guy, this guy was like Superman. God just just supernaturally kept him going, mm-hmm. and that, that speaks to the power of walking in the will of God. Because mm-hmm. regardless of what hell had for him, it didn't take him out. And instead of complaining in most of his letters, he's building up the other people that are around him. Mm-hmm. But you talk about that word joy and rejoicing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. Just yeah. thinking about it in the natural, yeah, right? Because you in jail, man. Yep. You locked up. You locked up, and it, and you know, and, and some comfortable little um, things no, on your feet. Mm-mm. They make it look like you know, because you know, it's all curved. No, this this this, this back in the day, man. It's this is not the angles and cutting stuff. And because dark. I've you know I've heard historians talk about how some of these jails, you know, they actually had sewage running through it. Yeah. They had, they had layers, and the bottom layer was the worst one. That's where the sewage was. So I'm like, so you standing in urine and, 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 and feces. And singing. Singing joy to the Lord, to the highest. In the dark. Sims. You know, I mean, the hymns and stuff, songs, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. That's supernatural. That's like beyond, yeah. way, way beyond what a human being can do. And you really know that you know that you know. Who you are and what you have, you know, beyond what you see here, yeah, and feel. And if you think about that, that, that make you get kind of, you know, pretty convicted. You, you know, if you get mad because they didn't have a latte for you before <laughs> before service, um, when you get get to to your seat, right, at your mega church. <laughs> so I parked in my spot. Yeah. I parked there every week for the last. The carpets are red. I insistently told the pastor I wanted purple. Oh, you're in my seat. You're in my seat. I saw a lady on TV. She was asked to move because the people said that they donated money for these seats and they were theirs. And she, they came out and said, would you please move? These, these seats are my husband and I. And we donated money when they were putting seats in. And these are ours. <laughs> now, oh, Lord. Now, see, now I'm going to get on the soap bar. Because that, that's like, that's like anti Anti-biblical. Yeah. It's oh, just yeah, yeah. That, that is like the exact opposite of what James is talking about. Yeah. But we do now if you were going to a concert and you pay VIP seats, yeah, oh, you yeah, get out yeah. my seat. Yeah. Yes. Get out my seat. I pay I pay the extra five hundred dollars for the seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that makes sense. But we you in the house of God, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why are we doing this type of stuff? The proper thing to do is to go up to them and invite them to, to lunch and pay for their lunch. And that would be the right thing to do if you're gonna love them. So, so we see the, the the exact opposite is going on here with this group of believers that, that Paul is talking about, right? Yeah. Verse five, it says, because of your fellowship with the gospel from the first day until now. So that partnership wasn't short lived. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they they have been riding with Paul for a while. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic, verse 5. He says, I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day you heard it until now. (coughs) 
So they 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 faithful partners. They ain't sometimey. That you know you you know anybody that has been in ministry that you know who's been leading anything or had to pay for anything they that you know how valuable that is to have people that are just that are steady stable mm-hmm. support support you financially support you in prayer all that stuff. The laboring you do and being worthy of the hire, knowing it's there, somebody is faithful to keep doing this. This is for you. This is for you. And it doesn't waver. Verse six says, being confident of this of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. He wrote a song and didn't know it. Did you ever hear that song? Be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It goes on and on. That's awesome. Now think about just hearing that, how encouraging that is. To hear, you know, as you're 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 living your your Christian life, you're serving, and to get that encouragement, especially when you run into people who think that they've committed the unpardonable sin and God took the spirit from them. That scripture there just turns it right around. He'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which means you don't have to be concerned. Now I'm going to go to one of the study guide questions. It says, why do you think finances make a difference in building a partnership? Because finances are an extension of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's an extension. It is, you know, part of you. So, when somebody gives you something that's, they feel like that's like giving up yourself. It's also love in action because right. you can talk and talk and talk. Yeah. Oh, Pastor, we love you, whatever it is, but until you give something of yourself that costs you something. Right. And money is spiritual energy because if you got something to do from God, you can't do it, can't do it without money, and that money will give you that that spiritual energy to. Uh, do what, do what has to be done in this world. Yeah, that's good. Any type of benevolence you want to do, any type of broadcasting of messages mm-hmm. or teachings. Or building a building or anything. Yeah. All that stuff, it costs money. money. I'll tell you what, this place we sitting in, this show ain't free. I'll tell you that. It's not free. No, man, it ain't free, you know. And and it's, so you think about, you know, Paul traveling, all the stuff that he's doing, you know, and these folks are just continuing to be faithful to like to support him. How much that means. And just imagine the flip side of this. Let's say they flaked on him. How negative an impact that would have had on the spread of the gospel. Mm. 
because you already had detractors. You had people that were, you know, motivated by the, the, the enemy to stop his ministry because of the call of God on his life. Let's say this group of folks, they didn't, they, they weren't consistent in their support, their financial support and their prayer for him. Could it be possible that we're not reading this, this specific letter right here? Right? Now, obviously, you know, the Lord being who he is, if these group, this group of believers didn't, weren't obedient, he, you know, he, he can raise up another group. But the thing about it is, it, if people are not responding to the gospel, it's a hindrance. And you're talking about more time, more, you know, lives that could have been touched that didn't get touched, all that type of stuff. So when we talk about, you know, support and ministry and all this type of stuff, you know, being faithful to to pray for each other and for leadership and all this stuff, you know, it it matters. It matters. And especially at this time we live in here, you know, you, you might as well be a um just a an armed robber. Whether it be a pastor or a deacon in a group of you know a group of people, because back in the day those titles and things they came with us. It, there was a, some honor to it, right? You know, just in general. Now, are we there at that place now? Mm -mm. No, it's different. People look at you sideways. Oh, you 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 a preacher, huh? You such and such. Sad. Yeah. So just imagine, you know, the, the how, just like Paul in this day, just thankful for the support that he got, you know, men and women of God in this hour. You know, we you, you're not going to fulfill your call without that partnership, without people supporting the mission. Not only that, you got people that will oppose you, that are not, that never had given, never wanted to give, but they'll they'll oppose you. When I went on the radio, I had a guy call me, another radio guy, and he said, "There's a coven of witches around here, and and they're uh, doing ri rituals against any new new person that comes on the radio." He said, "I just want to give you a heads up," and I said, "Yeah, yeah, right, right." I didn't pay attention to it. A couple weeks later, I was walking in the park, and I got this smashing headache. And I mean, I was just praising God and talking to him and trying to get rid of it. I couldn't get rid of it. And I, I went home and I sat down and I, I said to my wife, I said, man, I don't know what happened. And and uh, what did you say? I said, did it ever occur to you that there might be some witchcraft going on? And I had never thought of that. That guy told me that on the phone. I blew it off. And then when I came home and she said that, I took it as being the Holy Ghost. So we joined hands and prayed against it and it broke it. But those people were trying to kill me in the spirit realm. I mean, and I think, they don't even know me. If they knew me, they'd like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because opposition is real. Mm -hmm. It is out here. 
and, and even the thing that gets you, the people that have that come against so many of the pastors and prophets, they're nobodies. They don't know what it is to be a pastor. They're criticizing a role that they've never walked in. They have no idea. They're clueless. Yeah. But they are this authority all of a sudden. Yeah. You know? They, they do the same thing with prophets. They do the same thing with, with almost anything. They, they, they say they can do it better, but they're not doing it. Because the body of Christ right now is persecuting our prophets. And, Pro and they're persecuting everybody. Yeah. I think it makes it even tougher when it comes from within. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's what makes it really tough. When You, you expect know, that from outsiders. Right. That's what I'm saying. I expect it from outside. Not your comes, brothers and sisters. Right. When it comes from within, that makes it really tough. And just and think about just the dynamics of that, right? You know, when you talk about the difference between fighting off and a some a, a virus or a disease that's external that's trying to infiltrate the body versus something that is that is organic that it, that is that is turning the body against itself. Mm -hmm. How much more difficult that is to fight. And this is why strife, contention mm -hmm. is such a big MO for the enemy mm -hmm. because that stuff, it, it really, because it just, it just short circuits everything. Yeah. Right. Because Jesus said, they, they, the world will know, know me by what? The love, the love you have one for another. <laughs> That's that is a um, freak show today to so the world, basically the way a lot of Christians treat each other. Yeah. I just had a picture of one guy chasing another guy, and the guy behind him has a hatchet, and he's screaming, "I love you! I love you!" <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's how crazy it looks. Like, I mean, yeah. think about it. Yeah, yeah. Look at verse 7 and 8. It says, As it is righteous for me to think this all, think this as to you, you all, because you have me in your hearts, and that both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the glad tithing, you ye are all participants in my grace. For God is my witness, how I long after all of you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Now, that was, that was from the Darby translation. Um, in the New Living Translation, it reads like this. It says, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. So now how many people, if they pastor was in jail, would still be riding with them, still be supporting oh, yeah. them? Can you hear him? He had to do something. Yeah, he did. They, so. just don't, they just don't put you in jail for nothing. I mean, That's you can right. hear people talking. But again, you know, that that whole idea of just backstabbing and betrayal, isn't that a sign of the times? Mm -hmm. It's Matthew 24, right? Mm -hmm. 
Now, I don't want to get into verses 9 and 11 just yet. I want to save that for next time. But we're talking about, we're still talking about ministry and, and motives for ministry. I want us to kind of jump down. All right. Look at verses 13 to 16. No, to 17. 13 to 17. All right. And I'm going to read this in the King James first and then in the New Living. It says, now I'm going to go back to verse 12. It says, but I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife and some also goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Okay. Now, in the New Living Translation, reads like this. It says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. The others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more powerful, painful to me. Now I'm going to go on, but look at how he responds. Verse 18, but that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. I'm looking at verse 17 and I think about you know, folks that build their ministry by uh, by tearing down other ministers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I got. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that kind of gave me a mindset that's like, okay, Some you know what? Um, whether I agree with them or not, I'm not going to say nothing about them. Yeah, just don't support them. Yeah, I mean, don't I don't say, I'm not going to say anything about it. I mean, I agree with it, but I'm not going to say anything about it because if, if I get on, like, and the our Facebook thing and start blasting them. That's not what God mm. wants. You see what I'm saying? That's not going to do it with Paul. And that's when I read that um, earlier this week and said, okay, he, Paul said it don't matter. Okay. I know what they're doing. They're tearing me down. It's not right. But yeah. Paul, I guess I'm not going to put my mouth on them. He mm -hmm. says, hey, if the gospel being preached, and I thought that was pretty impressive because yeah. it's like, hey, so most of us would, you know, well, I'm gonna say most of us. Sometimes people will get on there and retaliate. Well, you know, so and so says, I mean, well, I'm gonna sit there tearing me down. Mm -hmm. 
I'm gonna come back at them. So then you got this back and forth war going on. Yeah. You know, and I'm saying, okay, how did that glorify God? How's he getting any glory out of this? When, as we said, we got the body tearing each other from within. That's how we stay in peace. We don't do Facebook. <laughs> That's probably the way you do it or not. It's just that whoever it is, yeah, I mean, but you, you don't but you, you call to, you, you call the, the glorify Christ. Okay, if somebody's over here saying, you know what, so and so, or Eric, or Julius, or Gene, you know, and they don't, they don't have a public, then we say, okay, I'm not gonna worry about that. I'm just gonna continue to do what I do. Lift him God, up. Will, God will defend you. Yeah, he will defend me. So yeah, um, I have a sister that um, that sister in Lord she's me and her were in youth, you know, our youth group days together, not the same youth group we met at camp, and she is probably one of the greatest and my best friends I've had in my life, and even though we're not super close to what we used to be, but she's wonderful, and we went separate ways, like I said, on our, like, doctrinal things, but I go, we talk, and we just avoid certain issues, and we have a very good time talking, we still get on the phone, mm-hmm. and it'll be a long time, we'll go months of the talk, we'll talk, like, two hours at a time, and be like, this and that, I love Jesus, this and that, most of the time, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, Afterwards, I pray and I'm like, God, you know, set her free. I want her to be free. I want her to know she doesn't have to dress this way. She doesn't have to do this or do that. But I'm like, but we both love Jesus and we just glorify Him. And I go, God will take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. Just like He's taking care of me. Yeah, she did some miracles and all that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we, we stay on the like issues of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I used to drive home from Norfolk and I had to down Granby Street and I had to stop at this red light lots of times. And there was a guy that stood on the grass right next to this red light. And he had a Bible in his hand like this. And, man, he just called everybody harlots and, and fornicators. And, and, and he was screaming at the top. No, he was screaming at the top of his lungs. And, and after I went by there for about a month, I finally got my car stopped right in front of me. And I remember looking over and I said, you ought to try a little love, brother. Well, that triggered him. Oh, my oh man, he—he's just started. He's just—he got twice as bad, and, and was screaming, you know, about sin and evil and fornicators and prostitutes and. But I can't figure out how you get set on that pathway, you know, thinking that that's the love of God. See, that's what we did with a small small group that we meet in this one ministry. He's, he's gone. I guess he's gone from since ninety-two. He would. He knew everybody in the room was born again, but he would. He would just scream at you. You're all going to hell. Why don't you repent and go? You know, we're all born again. Is that the only message you know? Is repent is. He was. He didn't talk about the love of God. Yeah. I might show it some way, but he when he's out, we would. Five people, six, ten, fifteen people screaming at you. I mean, turning red in the face. Uh, You went back week after week. When you don't know any better, yeah, we don't know any better. You get old pretty fast. Some people like me. It's good for fun. But that, I mean, but but the thing about that though, because and that that all that really speaks to is the type of teaching, how important that stuff is, what you come up under, what you're listening to. Yeah. You know, because it, you may think that's the gospel. That, that, yeah, that's the gospel. You know, frothing at the mouth and just in and, and, and telling everybody that they're going to hell. Yeah. And you better turn 
And that's just, that's the message every Sunday. And it's like, where's the discipleship at? I'm like, all right, we got saved. You scared the, the, the mess out of us last week, man. Mm-hmm. We here, we saved now. What do we, we do? Yeah. You know, but when again, I, go ahead. I remember something, and I think it was Paul. This pre, I don't know if it was Paul's conversion or, but I think they went to the high priest's house and they were saying, I think it was Paul. Paul was preaching and they were saying, we got to get him because he's preaching just Jesus stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. and that. And then the high priest said, he says, well, look, what does it matter? He says, if if this Jesus stuff ain't no good, it's going to fizz out anyway. I'm right. just paraphrasing. And then I but think but said, if it is, we're fighting God. There you go. That's what yeah. he said. Yeah. And he said, so we ain't nothing we can do about it. I right? love that verse, too. I yeah. thought that was very And I thought I was like, see, he was like, okay, if, it, if, it's, if it ain't no good, it's going to fizz out. But if it's, they it said, if, it's if it's good, we're on the wrong side of this. Yeah. Side. Yeah. So it's so like, okay, if that person, if what they're doing, it's going to fizz out. Eventually, but if it's up down, then I thought about it when that guy was yelling and screaming and carrying on. I should have, I should have said, "He loved me while I was yet a sinner, dude." <laughs> you know, see, my father would minister, and he ministered about love, right, all the time, right. Yeah. right. But he had he had been to the break of death with you know the cancer thing, and he he realized you know because some people when they realize that love. God loves them, they break down and start crying because they know what kind of person they are. And they just know they don't deserve that, and and you can see like some people just break when they hear about the love of God. But he he went to he went back to his church. My dad actually was born again, born again after being healed of the miracle. And they, yeah, giving they, the left foot of fellowship. Him, he was a deacon and everything. We don't want that in there. All right, let's go to Acts five. This is where um, Eric was alluding to. Acts 5, and we're going to start at verse. I'll start at verse 26. Okay. Now, this is after the whole incident with the. All right, I'm going to start at verse 23. All right, just to give you context. In the New Living Translation, it says, The jail was securely locked with the guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would, would all end. 25. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain went to, with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but without violence, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. Verse 28. We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death? 29. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on the cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. 
We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. 33. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. Verse 20, 34. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care of what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was this fellow, Thaddeus, who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and all of his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too. And all his followers were scattered. So my advice is, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning to do these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. Wise man. Didn't one of the apostles say he was a student of Gamaliel? Or no? I'm not sure either. I one. heard that that Paul was. One of that was them Paul. Said, one that of was them Paul. said there was a student of him, I think. Paul. Yeah, it's Paul. Gamaliel. Let me show off. Let's see if I can. How much time we got? Okay. I'll, I'll finish this chapter, this chapter out. Verses 40 and 40, 42 he says, The others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. So they still didn't get them licks in. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. They left there. Their backs were bleeding. They were swollen up. They're hurting. They were well, rejoicing. It's, it's 2022, right? And, we, and we, we have Bible study in Newport News, Virginia, right? Talking about Jesus. Talking about this Jesus, so... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again, and we'll see you next week. Hey.